Speak softly loud So no one hears us but the sky The vows of love we made We live on till we die My life is yours And I'll be cold You came into my world with love Good evening everyone And we're back Again Hollywood Godfather podcast with Patrick, my friend, Picciarelli. Hi. How you doing, John? And, and my millennium. Here I am. All right. What are we going to talk about tonight? Oh, you found a story you want to talk about, Pat. Yeah, I, uh, I peruse the airwaves and the news and the internet for interesting things. And I found something that was so interesting that it borders on unbelievable. Uh, but it is believable because if it was published in the, in the New York Daily News on November 15th. And if you can't believe the Daily News, what can you believe? <laughs> it involves four Lucchese gangsters who were found guilty of uh, murdering a guy by the name of Michael Meldish, age 63, who is the current head or was the current head at the time of the hit of the Detroit Purple Gang. It's a uh, notorious group of gangsters that had their origins in the 1920s. But I, I know them well. I happen to know them well. <laughs> I'm sure you do. Well, who don't you know? I'll only would bring this up. This is so funny. But this is like the gang who couldn't shoot straight that actually succeeded in killing somebody. But what we've got here is, is three members of the, well, they, the, the article says four members of the Casey family. And they got this guy that's got a hell of a tan or he's a black guy. <laughs> Terrence uh, Caldwell. Terrence Caldwell is involved with uh, Michael Madonna, Stephen Crea, who is a notorious gangster who's been operating in the New York crime families for uh, all his life. I mean, he's he's an older man. And some guy by the name of uh, Christopher Londonio, who I never heard of. But Crea, known as uh, Wonder Boy on the street, uh, I heard of him. How about you, Johnny? You know this guy? No. what, what, What year are you talking about? Uh, he's been with, with the with the Lucchese's for uh, fifty years. Fifty, okay. Yeah, he's an older man. He's he's, he's no kid. No, I, I you know I, I really didn't do anything with the Lucchese's when when uh, Tommy's daughter married. I mean, t- yeah, Tommy's daughter married uh, Tommy Gambino Jr. Mm-hmm. I was you know on a different situation, in a different area with the guys I was with. But it's ironic because later on. We all got involved with the Purple Gang directly and indirectly. And as you know, and the audience knows, uh, Frank Costello was partners with Joe Kennedy. And the Purple Gang became notorious during Prohibition because of their location. And when when the water froze over, they actually drove trucks they put logs in the in the water when it froze and drove trucks to Canada that every every group was buying bootleg liquor from Canada f- through them because it was like a 10-minute ride for them. Yeah, well, I, I tell you, it, it, they had a hell of a reputation. Uh, but let's, just to finish off this story, they hit this guy in 2013 because this guy, Meldish, would not repay a gambling debt. Uh, and, you, you know, uh, he thought he was so powerful and had such a reputation that he could get away with it. Long story short, these four guys get arrested and convicted 
Uh, but at the end of the story, they tell you that they try to break out of jail using dental floss. What? Yes, they took they a priest was supposed to smuggle in bed sheets to them and dental floss, and they were get regular dental floss that you buy in a drugstore. They were going to use the dental floss to saw through the bars of their cell and escape. What's their IQ? <laughs> that was Londonio's plan, wasn't it? But I tell you, I've been using dental floss all my life. Yeah, and you, had I known you, it was so dangerous. Yeah, your tooth didn't yeah, fall out. Apparently, it's really I, sharp. I, 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 I could have sawed my head off using dental floss. I mean, this is hazardous stuff. But let me ask you a question. Uh, has, that, uh, has that been proven? Or it's just, no. no. Dental floss is uh, an abrasive uh, to get stuff out from between your teeth. Oh, we all know that. Through, but to saw, to saw through hardened steel. You know, maybe maybe it would work if you had maybe like 2,000 rolls of it. And, just and you did <laughs> it for years. And kept on in one particular spot for the rest of your life. Right. They would probably be up for parole before it worked. <laughs> no, but the interesting thing, I'm starting to wonder how, how smart these people are for one reason. <laughs> uh, really? <laughs> no, 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 not just before the dental floss, you said something else where this guy owed them, I know the number, a million dollars in a gaming debt. One thing you learn when you start to lend out money, if you ever do that, don't kill the guy who owes you the money. How are you going to get paid? Yeah, really, well, where is I that think, getting I, I, I think with this guy, because of his position as the head of the purple gang with a uh, hundred approximately a hundred hits behind him they knew they were never going to get the money so they whacked them because if they didn't they would look very weak mm. well i could have taught them some other things if i knew any but i, I could come up with a couple ideas how you uh, you know well i mean if i've seen it and heard it with other people you, you get to the person that he truly cares for and take that person. They've Why done, didn't they do that? I don't know. That's why I'm, I'm, I'm confused. Well, then you, get, well you, you, have, you have a point there because you have people that are trying to break out of prison using dental floss. Hello. So how bright <laughs> can they be? <laughs> that's, what, that's what's confusing me. because No, you know, if I was them, I would have used the water pick. But they, <laughs> that probably would have worked. But you know, there's a situation, I've seen these kind of situations where Let's say you owed a, a, a principal of a million dollars. The vig on that, I don't know how many points they paid for it. But there are people around that would buy that dead debt mm. that knew who yeah. owned it and then go negotiate with them. Okay. At least you got half your money back or a quarter of your money back. I, I did that. I, I, I did it years ago with a guy called Bernie Cornfield. I think I remember that story. Yeah, and he owed, he owed Costello $3 million. So, and, but nobody figured out how to get it. I went to California and just went to the Beverly Hills, uh, not the Chamber of Commerce, the City Hall, and went to the records of the house. And he owed about three years of taxes to Beverly Hills. So I got a lawyer to get the, all, all the do documents right. And I paid what was owed. It was like only thirty, forty thousand. 40,000. Yeah. And created a quick claim deed. Ah. And mm. and Bernie Cornfield went to Switzerland. I knew where we where he was. So I went to see him. And he saw me poolside and he started to panic. I said, No, 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 you you're cool. He's what do you yeah, mean? Because I own your house. Yeah, I said, All I need you to do is sign <laughs> this quick claim deed. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, we, we were thinking of an idea for our second book. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna do the second book on uh, Gianni Russo's investment techniques. There you go. That sounds no, but it was so crazy, you know. But anyway, yeah. So uh, these guys are now convicted. Do you know what they what they got? Uh, no, I don't know what they got. It, uh, it doesn't say what they got, but. Uh, well, for murder, I, I mean, yeah, who knows any days? Uh, murder for hire. Yeah, yeah that is true. They no, they're, they're gone for the rest of their lives, I would assume. But it doesn't say uh, in the article. So what, what was the relationship of Ter- Terrence Coldwell? Because we, we see a picture of three white gentlemen and an African-American. The article I described- have a feeling that, that he was an, uh, an unauthorized dealer in dental floors. <laughs> uh, All comes back yeah. to the dental floss. Yeah, he uh, he he was he was a dental floss dealer or a dental floss kingpin, if you will. Okay, got it. But uh, the interesting no thing, <laughs> it nope. said in the article they only described him as just a mob member associate. Oh, an associate. So I don't think yeah. he's actually yeah, and obviously really in it. Yeah. But yeah, well, you know, as, as we think about the assassination or the attempted assassination of uh, Joe Colombo, when they when they did the hit, a black guy had a conversation with Crazy Joe Gallo, and Crazy Joe Gallo got this guy to take out Colombo because he, he was trying to make his bones with the Gambino family at the time. So he actually think he was going to be inducted into the Gambino family? He thought. Well, Joe said, if you do this hit, because because Gambino had, a, had his head full with Joe Colombo with the Italian Defamation League and, and picketing the FBI building. So that day, these two guys, I mean, one guy first it was, and Joe got him convinced, and they got him press passes so they could be ringside at the stage. And the unfortunate thing is the guy in the last minute, I don't know how I know this, but the last minute he asked Joe, he says, do you mind if my girlfriend comes with us? He oh, said, oh, give me a picture. He got him a press kit. <laughs> and... She never made it. <laughs> they killed her, the cop. They had f- four different cops in uniforms that were like just backup guys for the hit. They killed them. They killed like oh. 17 people that day. But uh, I guess, you know, th- these uh, African-Americans really want to become a t- you know, Gambinos or mm. whatever. But, well, you know, if you look on a map, uh, Italy and Africa, they're, they're pretty close. Oh, believe me. I mean, I'm from Sicily. So I mean, we're really close, and uh, really? yeah. So I'm saying it. Well, I mean, but uh, Joe uh, Joey Gallo must have been a hell of a salesman to pull that off. Well, he he always was. He, I mean, Joey had a flair about him. You know, unfortunately, yeah. he only lived to 43. But uh, this is an interesting story. But you know, when when we read about the Purple Gang, the Purple Gang, as you brought it up, was started in the 20s. They're so rich. But don't think they're not around. And basically, they're the smartest Jews in the world that surrounded themselves with Italians. And uh, well, well, funny you should funny you should bring that up. I mean, the original uh, uh, Purple Gang, you know, it, it's had the, the Purple Gang has uh, reestablished itself through the years many times. Yep. Now, one of my last homicides uh, just had to be in the early 80s there was a uh, an asian guy uh he was uh he was a witness uh and he lived in the precinct where i was a sergeant 
And uh, he didn't want witness protection. He didn't want anybody to guard him. He said, uh, I can take care of myself. And he was hit in the garage in his apartment building. He lived on West 92nd Street, I believe, in a high rise. It was a simple ploy. Somebody flattened one of his tires. You know, I mean, who's going to fall for this? Anyway, this Asian guy goes in. He could pull his, get his car. He sees the flat tire, starts to fix it. And he gets hit uh, four shots in the back of the head with a 22, which was that the symbolic familiar. weapon yep. of the Purple Gang. Yep. And it was blamed on them. And I think justifiably so. They imported these hitters, Purple Gang guys, and and, and hit this guy. And this was in this was in the early 80s. Right. So they're around. Are they still around? They're still around. I mean, a lot of people don't realize. The, the guys who created this many, many years ago, the name of the gang at that time, and the FBI gave them the, the Purple Gang. Do you know why they got the name of the Purple Gang? Why is that? Uh, why? Because, well, you know, when somebody dies, they always hang a purple ribbon. The original name of the gang was the Oakland Sugar House Gang. Sugar House. Oakland yeah. Sugar House with that little town, but mm-hmm. no, but I mean, I'm, I'm glad they call it the Purple Gang. <laughs> but uh, so who started it originally? Oh my God, the Jews in, in the 20s. Well, no, they're major businessmen. Okay, I mean, Charlie's, Charles Leiter, and Henry Shaw. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two two Jews from that area, and they hooked up with two very good friends of mine. And in fact, uh, Maya Lansky before he died introduced me to my neighbor, who became my neighbor, Mo Dalitz in Las Vegas. That's all the Purple Gang. I mean, and they're still operating very well in Mm -hmm. Vegas. Even, they're probably under the radar just because they don't have a vowel at the end of their name. Well, they're very much under the radar. Yeah. You never never hear, unless it's going to be a farmed out hit, the cops, if I was one, I mean, we, we never heard of these people. I mean, they, we, we thought it was something that went out in the 1930s. No, they, they wasn't. And they wanted it to happen that way because, you know, right after Prohibition, there were so many gang wars and the money they amassed, they, they, there's nothing you could touch these guys with because they became, I mean, I'll tell you how smart they are. They bought a laundry business, a hotel laundry business. They did the laundry in every major hotel. They had contracts, like, with every major hotel. And that's how they got into Vegas. Then they went into the drapery and upholstery business. They did all the drapes, and nobody could outbid them. But these were all these guys. And then they, they opened the, probably the, one of the largest real estate firms in the world. And they had so much cash, they figured, let's invest in things that we could lose money on, but we have some fun. And they created Lorimar Studios that created, I don't know how many hit shows. Everything they touched, they couldn't lose the money. It was so funny. We were, so always, we were always laughing about it. So what's their uh, uh, major source of income t- today? Major business. They're still in the laundry business. They t- yeah. turned it down to their families. They, I mean, they built half of Vegas. I mean, they owned, They built Regis, Regency Towers, was the first high-rise. I thought I lived in a high-rise at the Moran Turnett. That was only six stories. They built a 20-story building on the Las Vegas Country Club. And, and, and one of the things that was so easy for me, because I, you know, 
with my situation as a kid with Costello and then the whole the election with as we spoke about the Kennedys, I met everybody that was already doing business with them. And Maya was my guy through a very close friend of mine. I will not mention his name. He's still alive. But when Maya said to me, Johnny, when you're going to Vegas, there's one person you have to see right away. I said, okay, Maya. He's going to Las Vegas Country Club. Ask for Mo. I said, Mo who? He said, just say Mo. I said, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, there's only one Mo in Vegas. Well, I'll tell you that. This guy is only one Mo. I mean, he owned hotels. And they kept on saying that he's an original member of the Purple Gang. They never got a, a, a full license, but Brene Brith made him year, man of the year. I mean, that's these guys. He, and he went to his grave never getting a license, but he operated a hotel for 22 years with, <laughs> with, with gaming. That's crazy. Well, their symbolic uh, weapon of choice is a uh, 22. Yeah. Because of the damage it does. The average person thinks that a, a 22 is a weak round, uh, but it, it, just the opposite. As far as velocity and size goes, yeah, it's small. It doesn't look effective. But when, when this thing goes into the human body, particularly the brain, well, that's it why shatters it, it to tiny little pieces because yeah. it's a lead round. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, but the thing and is, that's why they shoot you between behind the ear. That's the smallest touch in your skull, where your ear connects. If you ever well, see a skull, it, that's where your ear was. Mm-hmm. So well, that's why it, 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 it does a lot. It does a lot of damage. Well, remember I, when we discussed that? I mean, not that, when I went to that lady's rescue, I had a low caliber gun, but I shot him in the skull. In State Street, you're talking about? Yeah, but I shot him in the skull. Right. If I shot him in the eye or behind. That's why even in The Godfather, Mo Green, they shot him in the eye because it goes right to his brain. Behind but you, the uh, if I recall correctly, seeing as how I, I wrote the book, yeah. I am getting old, <laughs> yeah. uh, you shot him several times. I shot him three times. Where'd the first two rounds go? All three went in the same, close to the same hole. But he was on coke. Him. It was on cocaine. Oh, he didn't fall right away, right? Yeah, it was. It didn't register that he was dead. Oh, he didn't realize he was dead yet. <laughs> no, the, I asked him. He didn't accept it yet because he was so cooked out. Well, you must have heard. I saw that in your times when you were on the job, Pat. No, uh, people, people on meth, particularly, you can hit them. Well, first, you know, if you're trying to uh, restrain somebody, uh, you hit them with a baton, you kick them in the testicles. Then you go with a taser and you try everything else. And if nothing works, they're usually on some kind of an upper drug, meth, coke, Yikes. something along that, those lines. Wow. Uh, they don't realize that they're hurt. Wow. And before they realize it, they, they hurt you. Oh, yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's why, you know, we're reading about it constantly now with all these kids overdosing whatever they're on, that these cops have it. A terrible situation because they say, well, my you shouldn't have killed my son. He's mentally deranged. Well, how about brother, how many people are you going to kill first before they kill you? It's crazy. It's Well, particularly with uh, uh, artificial cannabis, mm. it, may, it makes people so friggin' strong uh, that they don't even know their own strength. And you, you have to put them down before they put you down. Really? Oh, well, yeah. I, I, it's bad I, I, stuff because it's legal. You buy it. You can buy it. Buy it online. That's wild. I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm, 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 I get back to the Purple Gang. The Purple Gang, 
they, they were so smart. They, they sent a guy, uh, another, uh, he had a, a bad demise, unfortunately. But they were so smart. They created the Riviera Hotel under the radar of all the gaming commission and everything else. They financed it. They had the bank accounts to trace the money, show the money. And, and they, you know, it was uh, probably one of the most successful hotels on, uh, in fact, Moishlin Rickless, they orchestrated the sale for him to buy it from them. And they and it was all privately held money. But uh, they, they came strong to Vegas. And, and, and in fact, Chicago made a deal with them because they realized they could use them to build the buildings, get licensed, and they would come in and operate it. And uh, Ocardo put together a team, uh, a, a great, you know, hotel managers and all that, and they took over the Riviera, then they took over the Stardust, then they took over the Aladdin, and they were all purple gangs. They were their properties. So let me ask, let me ask you this. Uh, is their mainstay, is their strong point still violence? No, because as you say now, they farm it out. They became, okay, because, they became businessmen. Because our boy Joe Coffey, and for those of our listening audience who doesn't know who Joe Coffey was, Joe was a sergeant in NYPD who worked organized crime, and he was everywhere. Okay, in this particular article from the Daily News, he's quoted that when Michael Meldish got hit in 2013, he says, and I'm quoting this, uh, Michael was a stone-cold killer. It should have happened a long time ago, meaning his, uh, him getting assassinated. I call it vermin killing vermin. Oh, wow. Poetic justice. End mm. of quote. Vermin, I could, I could hear, you know, it's so funny because uh, Joe Coffey, it was such a close friend of mine. He, he traveled with his vacation, his wife, Susan. In fact, even his first wife and then the second wife came with us. We used to go to Acapulco and uh, he, he was the only cop. <laughs> and we, we knew it when we met him because this guy was dressed, he's one of the best dresses. He's oh, like six, six foot four. He's not a guy to go under the radar. Mm. This guy is well, huge. Well, obviously, the, the, the way he dressed and the appearance that he conveyed, he didn't look like a cop. No, not at all. No. And, and we, uh, we saw no. through it. We, you know, not that we used it, but he was a good yeah. friend to us. He was a nice guy. Yeah. I know Joe very well. Yeah. Uh, he said that uh, Meldish killed at least 100 people. And his brother, Joseph, who's in the can now, is responsible uh, for at least 70 deaths. Wow. So that's why I asked the question about the violence. Are they still involved? They have to be. Well, I think, I'm, I'm sure they're involved with violence, but the only thing I know now, this- for hire. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. They're not doing it themselves because the, the there's about, I would say, 20 major heads of the Purple Gang right now that are probably billionaires and they need to do nothing. They stay under the radar. Um, they probably, have, well, they have four properties yet and and that I know of in uh, Las Vegas. And, you know, they're, they're brilliant in what they do. And, you know, I, I myself, I was always surrounded by brilliant guys, but my hat was always off to, to the Jews that I knew. Because they really, very quietly got things done, and when they needed muscle, they brought in the right people. So I mean, uh, it's it's funny because the Purple Gang is very well, and uh, Gus Greenbaum, uh, this guy was a, a genius with numbers, 
And he came in, he bought a house in Arizona. He established a bank account of about $20 million over five years slowly while he was playing golf. He loved playing golf. And then he went and bought the property at the Riviera Hotel. And then when they wanted to take over, which is funny, and they made an agreement, he didn't go along with the agreement. And unfortunately, a group of people from Chicago brought him a contract and where the, we all heard that deal where, you know, either your signature is going to be on this contract or your brains. His brains and his wife's brains were. He refused. Oh, his, Famous quote. Yeah. But his, his wife and he, I mean, he, he refused to sign it. It's amazing. It's crazy. And it was done well, in Phoenix, so they didn't get the play. And they just took, you know, this, they, they figured it was organized crime. But Chicago and all of them took over. And Green Bomb, you, you know. You know, they were also suspected of uh, being involved in the infamous St. Valentine's Day massacre, which I don't believe is true. Uh, two, two guys were. Yeah. Well, the two shooters were guy, two guys named Anselmo and Scalise. How I remember their names, don't ask me. But these were the guys who were killed by Capone personally afterwards. He beat him to death with a baseball bat at a meeting. Right, because they showed him uh, disrespect. But yeah. there was a very honorable Jew, and I knew him well. And, I mean, this guy, uh, I don't know if I should even say his name at this point. His last name was Cohen, so that ain't going to be too much. Give away too much. Give away. And then Tony Accardo. Yeah. Tony Accardo made his bones mm. for the St. Valentine's Day massacre. He wasn't an actual shooter. Oh, he was a shooter. Oh, no. I thought, oh, yeah? Oh, yeah? Oh, no. What year was that again? No, I understand 1928. this. 1928. Okay. 1929. But people didn't realize. They were, they were men in suits, and they were police officers that were Capone's guys. They were, yeah. all, they were all mob guys or young guys trying to make their bones. But he, yeah, they, they killed everybody. They even killed a mechanic. Yeah, they killed everybody. Everybody went. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, February 13th, 1929. Great memory, wow. great memory. But, you yeah. know, the interesting thing, e even the uh, when the FBI started to investigate it, that's where my good friend Sidney Korshak comes in. He was what a lawyer. He was a, the mob lawyer, Mr. Fix-It. And Sidney Korshak, during the Green Bomb uh, investigation for the uh, Riviera Hotel, he went in as the, because he was a lawyer for the estate, he took over the ownership and ran it. <laughs> I mean, they what was the Green Bomb investigation? They got killed in Arizona. The, the Hobbs and Moyes. Oh, those two people. Oh, okay, all right. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, and that's how smart they were. Because first of all, he didn't have to disclose anything because he was their lawyer of record. And uh, you know, it's it's. I, I love the the way they think. I mean, and and they get it done. So you know, with that said, I mean. The Purple Gang, and then they brought another good friend of mine, which I love. They groomed this kid, Eddie Torres. And he would be, and on record, probably, he was probably the longest runner of, I mean, general manager, casino manager of the Riviera Hotel. And which is ironic, and I love that I knew this, and this is why she hated me. Barbara Sinatra, <laughs> Barbara Marks, and I don't even know her maiden name before Marks, she was a chip hustler for them. She was a showgirl, which even the Sands, a lot of them did it when they had their lines of showgirls. These girls had to come out 
and mingle with the players because it was so gorgeous. But they taught them how to play with chips on the table. If you're not a gambler, you don't know what I'm talking about. So they would count your chips. But when they cut, you know, had a, t- a tower of chips, when they lifted their hand, they cupped two or three oh. <laughs> that were lavender chips. That are five thousand worth. Five thousand a piece. Hello. All right. So this guy's getting drunk. He's with his party girls. He didn't know which one to watch first, but he wasn't looking at the hands. Wow. Yeah. No, it was crazy. And they and they would always touch themselves. And they they're looking at him touching themselves. They were putting the chip in their bra. Nobody knew what they were doing. I mean, it was so crazy. I mean, well, that is crazy. Uh, mob history. You gotta love it. You know, but Barbara. <laughs> that's why I could never get close to Barbara Sinatra. Once he married her, and I knew what was going on long before even uh, the, the Marx guy died, because Frank used to play poker a lot in his house, and they used to come into Bum Springs. They lived down there, and they'd have a card game. And soon as he went to sleep, he'd take Barbara out. Come on, Barbara, let's get some fresh air. We all knew where they were going. And then when he'd come back when he was done, and he'd say, come on, get up, get up. You've been sleeping all night, and he chased the bum out. I mean, this I lost so much respect. I have so many times I've lost respect for Sinatra. He had no morals or scruples. I mean, how could you be doing your friend's wife in your own house while he's sleeping in the chair? I mean, he, <laughs> at least wake him up. Yeah, after you're done. Now, yeah, hello. No, no, it's craziness. That's but, terrible. But uh, the Purple Gang lives on. I love it. Ah, uh, yes. In infamy. Are they still mostly based in Detroit? Yeah. I mean, no. No? no? No. They, they, they own banks in Detroit. No, we, but weren't to, they out of, isn't that where it started, no, was that's Detroit? Where, but let me tell you what I'm saying. To say they are still living there, no. Their origin was from there. Okay. They've amassed businesses, legitimate businesses. They own a hotel down in San Diego. Mm. It, it became like the place to be. Okay. No, I mean, they've made so much money. And 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 all nice Jewish boys, and you know, and it's still going. I know it's still going, and that's uh, where are we here on this? And so it goes. Okay, so but that was a. Uh, I love the article, Pat, and uh, yeah, it was, uh, I just uh, happened to trip over it. But I'm, I'm, I would really like to look into find out where uh, Terence Caldwell come in. <laughs> Yeah, where he came into it. Well, maybe he's a made guy now in the prison. So he's, you know, he's, hey, you never know. He's, he's, with the the sure. he's with the purple gang. He's with the purple gang. Yeah. So let's and go to the mailbag. Yeah. Oh, oh, we have some new announcements too, right? We're gonna. We've had some requests oh, yes. for music. Yeah, we've had some requests that people would like uh, the old intro back, Gianni singing. So we're bringing it back. So there you, you know, go. I will go along with that too. Yeah, we're listening to you guys. Don't worry. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> that's one thing. Yeah. We are really listening to you because, you know, we meet people that just tell us and get requests. And as you've been listening to the more recent shows when they come up, we've actually invited people to our house. We had Rita and her husband that come in from San Diego and they're, and they're ringing my bell. Then we have this guy, Frank, that became a fan of mine. So don't think we're not listening and don't think we do not want to fulfill your request we want it to be enjoyable so if you are basically giving us the material to make it more enjoyable please send the cards and letters and whatever <laughs> means now we do texas we do so many things it's crazy. 
There's so we're going so back to the, to the original theme then, right? We are. I think we're going to have a little intro and outro of Gianni singing. Two different Fantastic. songs for yeah, that was uh, That was great. I was surprised it was changed. Yeah, you know, we thought maybe we would change I it up, but, but then people just want the old stuff back. Yeah, and that's me. Gotta I'm the give old the people stuff. what they want. We tried to switch it up, you know, season per season, get some yeah. get some new stuff, but we got to keep it to the classic. Well, for our listeners that know, I just uh, I'm going back. I'm, I'm because of Pat's wonderful writing. I've made the book into a 75 minute variety show, mm. which my good friend Tom Cantone of the uh, Mohegan Sun Entertainment and Sports. He's the guy. You don't work for these people unless you know Tom. And I just happen to know Tom through a good friend of mine. I'm only kidding. He wasn't a good friend of mine. But he was backstage, Donald Trump and Nirvana. (laughs) And they came back to see me because I was opening for Don Rickles as just breaking in my singing routine. And they, they graciously gave me the job through Tom of opening the uh, Trump Marina in 1995. So it's uh, why I'm bringing it up. Tom loved the book. He says, you got to do something with it. He gave me the idea. I wrote this show. And for the people in Niagara Falls that listen to us, uh, I'll be at Falls View Casino on March 7th. I just got another date. I'll be at the Resorts International, if it's still called that. It was many years ago. The Resorts in Atlantic City. On April 18th, during, this is a new Comic-Con. The people who produced the Soprano Comic-Con mm-hmm. are now producing Mob Movie Comic-Con. Oh, wow. And and Jerry, who's the guy who mentioned this, he said, could you come? I said, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you keep asking me? He said, well, you made the greatest mob movie in the world. I said, yeah, but I don't want to be a bunch of group of people. I said, but guess what? You could come and see me <laughs> on uh, April 18th. He said, what are you doing? I said, I'm opening a show called An Evening You Can't Refuse. And he can't believe it. So I'll be down there. Anybody in Atlantic City. And I'll be in every Mohegan Sun throughout the year. Amazing. So thank you, Tom. Tom Cantone, my man. <laughs> All right, Tom. So let's go to the letters. And All who right. Else and Mailbag. Let's Perfect. do it. Okay, so first one I want to share is a review from someone named Nick. Nick says, although I just became a subscriber, I've been listening to your podcast since I purchased your book in October. You, Megan, and Patrick are a great team. Your styling of retelling your style of retelling your story over the podcast is so entertaining. I enjoy it very much. Thank you, Nick. Thank you for <laughs> becoming a, a, a subscriber, too. Yeah. We need a million of you. <laughs> All right, so next one is from Scott. Um, for Gianni, Scott says, I recently watched your interview on YouTube and am now ordering your book. Myself, a person who is fascinated by how different people live their lives, yours is fascinating. Will you be attending any book signings in Southern California in the near future? I'd love to meet you and shake your hand. Best wishes and continued success. Are you still doing book signings? Um, not really. I, I, I could. I mean, if you, if you get a group together, we'll come to California. <laughs> I'll be in Arizona if you're in the Arizona area. I'll be there, uh, well, it's too soon anyway, because I'll be there until the, the end of this year, actually. Wow. Can't, can't believe it. Before we go to Marco Island. Oh, yes. Can't wait for that. All right, next one. Please. Next one is from Sebastian for Gianni. Sebastian says, which presidents have been mob-controlled? 
I think the easier question would have been which warrant box. Right. <laughs> Pat can answer that one. How many do you know, Pat? Well, Nixon, uh, very heavily. Really heavy. He uh, he pardoned Jimmy Hoffa, guys, just in case you want to know. That's the I saw Irishman. that in the movie. Yeah. Watched it the other night. Yeah, I don't know how the hell he got away with that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, all, all through the 20s and 30s, Coolidge, uh, I mean, uh, Clinton in a way. Really? Uh, I didn't know Clinton. Well, I, I was I was around. You know, a, it's just that, you know, acquaintances, nothing well, that uh, would get him indicted. Other things should get him indicted. Yeah, you, le- you left out two guys that were really so mobbed up. Well, JFK, think. obviously. Well, yeah, well, that was unfortunate. And who but, was the other one? Well. Uh, he was the governor of California and then became Ronald Reagan. Oh, yeah, well, sure. We, we had that in the book, too, yeah. Yeah, no. But, yeah. And then then there was a tailor from the, the Midwest that became a, a, a president. What, Truman? Yep. <laughs> there were quite a few. Now, like huh? I said, it would have been easier to, uh, to indicate who wasn't. Right. And then the you know, other... Back in the day, you know, I don't think people uh, realize how powerful... The, the mafia was. And I'm not talking about other ethnic groups. I'm talking about right. the Italians. Right. They literally had a shadow government. Well, the interesting thing is, as we all pointed out several times, look at the unions they controlled, just the, the membership body of votes. They needed them. And you had to go through them to get it. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah there's power, power in numbers. Always. It's true. Yeah. All right. The next one is from Lisa for Patrick. Lisa says, you have mentioned before that you're a professor. Do any of your students listen to the podcast? You know, I thought about that. I even uh, had uh, trepidations about bringing it up because these kids are, are literally kids. Right. I mean, I, I teach on a college level, but uh, most of them are 19, 20, 21. So eventually I brought it up and I bring it up a lot. If I'm, I teach an organized crime class. Well, they should uh, listen to this podcast then. Wow. They'd be enlightened. That would be well, helpful. There, I, there, that class, I, I push it. Uh, I teach it every other semester. The semester coming up, I'll be teaching it. But for an average class, I'll just mention it in passing, and I'll say, if anybody's interested, uh, please see me, and I'll tell you uh, how to subscribe. Uh, but some are. You know, you get, I would say maybe 10%, but in the organized crime class, I'm, I'm assuming that I'm going to have a lot of them because this will be the first time I'm teaching an organized crime class since we've gone on air. Oh, wow. Okay. Wow. Yeah, so uh, that should uh, that should sell some books, too. May, By may, the way, I assigned our book as an extra credit assignment. Oh, oh that's not a bad idea. Hey, no that's, <laughs> that's a little backdoor business. I love that. Yeah, that's that's great. great. Yeah. Do you think I should sign up for your class? Maybe I can learn something about organized crime. Well, maybe you could be you, a you speaker. Have an in, you guest know speaker. the professor. <laughs> well, that's true. You yeah. could be a guest Easy speaker, eight. maybe. Yeah. Next All right, question. so the next one is from Tylee for Gianni. Tylee asks, do you and Al Pacino still talk today? Al's not talking much to anybody. He's very depressed right now. Is he? Yeah, he's got family problems, which I won't bring up. You know, he has three major daughters, fortunately, and the last two girls. In fact, uh, Beverly D'Angelo conceived them during a movie we did together called Any Given Sunday. Really? And I was trying to give him fatherly advice. I've had, oh, I've, had a, a great I've had a handle so many unwedded mothers and <laughs> uh, you know it's crazy but uh, so no, no, I, I, really? I, I really don't 
who I was talking to almost on a weekly base and meeting him was Bobby De Niro, which I still love and adore, but he's all over the place now, so. I really was never an actor's actor hanging out with actors. No. I, I was always in business. I did acting like a golf game, not as a profession. <laughs> when was the last time you saw De Niro, do you think? I saw him about three months ago, four oh, months Oh, really? Ago. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. All right, so next one is from Crystal for Gianni. Crystal says, I'm interested in hearing about Cleveland and the mob. Danny Green, any interesting stories? Yeah, but good they were very close friends of mine, yeah. And Joe Sodaro Jr. is now a very close. I just was with him. I, in fact, I just carried a saint in their feast. And Joe Sodaro just took on all of our products, the Cordelion family selections in Cleveland. Huh. So, yeah. So do I got, you have any interesting stories off the top of your head? Not that I want no? to talk about. Got it. All right. Well, there's the answer to that. They're, they're very, I mean, I had so many friends from Cleveland. Yeah. They're still around, man. All right, we'll leave that one there. All right, so next one is from Margaret for Gianni. Margaret says, you say you knew Sinatra. How did you feel about the way Puzo portrayed him as Johnny? Well, Puzo had it wrong, obviously, because and, and that's what Sinatra was so mad about, because Puzo, I mean, Puzo wrote that he went to the mob to get the part, and there was all kinds of, even they tried to portray something, a young actress, supposedly Shirley Temple, but... That's why Sinatra even called me not to do it, like he did Victor Moan and so many other other friends, because Ava Gardner got him that part. And there was no, I don't know why Puzo didn't do more research on it. But Because uh, it's fiction, and it reads better. Probably, you're right, yeah. yeah. I mean, what, how would you add that to the story when some woman comes in and says, hey, get my ex-boyfriend or ex-husband apart, yeah, end of right. sequence. You're right, you know, yeah, yeah. It's fiction. Yeah. True. All right, so next one is from Rebecca. Rebecca asks, have you ever met John Alight? Am I saying that correctly? A-L-I-T-E? John Alight? How, how would I know? Uh, John Alight Who is he? Was, uh, he uh, I believe he was the one that called himself Gotti's uh, uh, unofficial grandson or son. Really? Yeah, oh, Queens guy. Yeah. No, I don't know. I don't know. No, he, uh, so, so he's a current he, he kid. Flipped. Yeah, a lot of lot of problems with him. Yeah. So he 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 was around in the nineties and early. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. He was a, he he was more of a friend of a junior. Yeah. Okay. Hello. Than, oh. than, 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 the, than the dad. I I say nothing. <laughs> All right. Yeah. The next one. Next one is also from Rebecca. She says, "What is your take on the Frank Cali hit?" It was what it is. It was so crazy. This kid. I was the first one to go on when they said a mob hit and certain people just got out. Well, why don't you tell the audience who Frank Cali was if people don't know? Well, Frank Cali, I know the kid. He was groomed for many years in Sicily, came over here under the radar. Like uh, uh, The only person I could compare him to and respect him as, Carlo Gambino himself. When Carlo came, he was a made guy. People don't know that. When he got here at 19, he was already in. La Cosa Nostra over there. Mm -hmm. Callie came here with an underboss. They were living under the radar. I think the big mistake he made was move down the street from old Paul Castellano's house on Toad Hill. That's like a red flag. But that was, that was only the stupid kid. I can't believe it yet. He goes up there. 
He was dating his niece, and I think it was his wife's sister. And, you know, these guys are also saying, when he, you stay away from my family, stay away from my family. Mm-hmm. This kid waited for him outside his house and shot him in the back, no less. And this, the stupidity of the guy, he throws the gun in the back of the car. This is a young kid. Mm. I mean, he should just blow himself up now because he'll be a punching bag and anything else you could think of in the prison, any prison he goes yeah, to. Yeah, he, he didn't go to trial. He pled out, right? I don't know what he did. I, it, well, he will. I mean, he's, look, he's going to get 20 years to life or 25 to life. That would be it. Uh, he's, uh, he's not going to be safe, as you say. He's anyway, I, I mean, I would. I mean, his family should change their name. <laughs> no, these guys are Yeah, you know. well, yeah, uh, it's not... He did the wrong thing there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, to, to say the least. But yeah. I could say one thing about John Kelly. Mm. A gentleman. Really? A gentleman. Not a punk leader. Oh, good. All right. Next one is from Mike. Mike says, I'm visiting NYC. Any top mob spots you would recommend? <laughs> <laughs> Are there any particular mob spots? You mean mob, a real mob or wannabe guys? <laughs> They're all over know. the place. Maybe like historical Related Tell them to try to get at the Rayos. Yeah, there you go. go. Go to the bar at Rayos. And that yeah, was you can a, get to the bar. Oh, Where's you can that? get to the bar. It's uh, 117th and Pleasant Avenue. Okay. And, uh, East Harlem. East Harlem. And 119th is where I took my beating in the Godfather. Oh, well, then that's a good spot. No, then. I mean, Rayos is. Uh, but Rayo, let me say this here. Rayo himself was with the Genovese family. Rayos is a little local. Italian restaurant, 10 tables, same bar, everything's still there. The Christmas decorations are on the bar before the fire, and and Frankie Pellegrino, his nephew, was brilliant enough when they rebuilt it, they put all the old Christmas decorations up and everything else. Uh, No, but I mean, mob places, there's so many. Go to Umberto's where Joe Gallo got shot. You can go to Patsy's on 56th Street. There's so many places where mob really were. They're gone. A lot of places are gone. Mm. But Rayo's Rayo's is is the place. You can't eat there. Well, if somebody went in there and went to the bar, can eat at the bar? No, no, they'll never serve you anything in bar, not even bread. But if you want to <laughs> go there, go there, buy drinks, and ask for Joey, and then to give give Joey a fifty dollar bill. Said if a table should come up, mm, okay, I'll take it, and you'll get a table about nine nine thirty. The most people who go there, they're at six six thirty. They're heavy business guys, Wall Street guys, because all their clients want to go, so they buy tables. They paid a lot of money for that. But yeah. those tables are like condominiums. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, they are. You know, really, you buy oh, the I'm, table. Oh, I'm sure. You you buy the table at your day. On at your, your time. Day. If you don't, you get charged anyway. Wow. I know. Or you yeah. can give your table away, but the the, the the table can't be left vacant. If your time is Thursday at eight o'clock, you got to be there Thursday at eight o'clock. Or they're going to charge you estimately against your last bills that you were there. Yeah. Well, they don't lose That's any crazy. money. That's smart. Hey, seems fair to me. They have no <laughs> phone number. And they're not open on Saturday and Sundays. They really, wow. No, it's crazy. I just, I just flew to Chicago with Stevie and uh, for the Giants game, the chef. Nice guy. Oh, yeah? Yeah. All right. Another one, or do you want to wrap it up? Sure. I, one, well, more? Yeah, one, more. Do one more? One more. Yeah. All right. So this is from Ryan. For Gianni, Ryan asks, if you could make a movie completely on your own, what would it be about? Wow, I don't know that. That's a question you have to give some thought to. Yeah, Jesus. Make a movie completely on... You know, I did a great movie 
my second movie after The Godfather, and it was called La Chateau The Punishment. And uh, it was a, a, a brilliant script. It was about a guy who was a good-looking guy, and he put all these call girls together, and they infiltrated even the Vatican, the, uh, the White House, which we constantly hear now, so maybe we shouldn't do it. <laughs> but I thought at that time, that's brilliant, because all these guys are cheating, and they moved to Virginia, and they moved here and that, and I knew so many guys who had mistresses, but they, they knew all the secrets of everything, and they, they were actually building an organization to combat short trading stock. They knew when, everything was going on, but it was a, 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 a group of women, gorgeous women, hmm. and... Uh, now, I guess with the Me Too movement, I don't want to get involved. I don't want to do anything anymore. I mean, I can't believe I'm going to be 77. Wow, that's crazy. And I have six projects right now. That's, yeah, you got a lot of stuff I'm coming enough. up still. I'm enough. <laughs> all right. So that's it for tonight, I guess. Yeah, and thank all of you. As we said earlier, we're, we're, we're listening to you, obviously. The music is back for Egotistically Me. That's fabulous. I love to sing. Of course. And I'm back on the, on the road again. And uh, Pat and... Megan, we just love your support. Keep su- subscribing, telling friends. And uh, oh, I want to do a shout out to Patrick Bet David. All right. Patrick Bet David, today, my views went to 950,000. Oh, my goodness. So I'm hoping to hit a million. So, anybody listening, between now and, you know, next few weeks, I want to have a million for the just first time. Just go pl- pl- press play again. Get press, us up there. There you go. But thank you all. God bless you. Talk okay, to you next good week. Night. Everybody, bye-bye. Good night, guys. Thank you for tuning in to the Hollywood Godfather podcast. My name is Megan Horan. You can contact Gianni Russo, Patrick Picciarelli, or myself with your questions and comments through the contact section of our website, hollywoodgodfatherpodcast.com. You can also call and leave us a message at 646-776-3038. Regarding Gianni's motivational speaking appearances, you can visit his website, giannirusso.com. You can also visit amazon.com for a listing of books Patrick Picciarelli has written. Remember to follow us on Instagram at Hollywood Godfather Podcast, as well as leave us a review on iTunes. We'd like to know what you like about what we're doing, what you'd like to hear in the future, and anything else you might suggest to improve our podcast. Most importantly, hit the subscribe button. We'll be back next week with stories of the mob and Hollywood, as well as answers to your emails and voicemails. Good night. Too few to mention I did what I had to do And saw it through Without exemption I planned each charted course Each careful step Along the byway But more Much more than this I did it my Way Oh there were times I'm sure you knew When I bit off More than I can chew But through it all When there were doubt I ate it up and spit it out and I stood tall